This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. Nothing is more important in any generation than to maintain the truth of the Gospel. Romans 1 verse 16 is this declaration of the Apostle and of the entire church throughout all ages. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The word gospel in the Bible means good news. And very often in the Bible it is used in a very broad sense to include all the good news revealed in all of the sacred scriptures. And so it is called the gospel of God. It's the good news about God. It's called the gospel of grace, the good news of God's free grace. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, for he is the one who brings about this good news. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of peace, and so on and so forth. The good news, the gospel, is good news because it's the full-orbed news of God, of his works, of his Son, of his purposes, and of his glory. But more specifically, the gospel refers to the good news of how the holy God has made the way by which sinners can be made right with him. The gospel then refers to the doctrine of the Bible, the teaching of the Bible, of justification by faith alone. Justification by faith alone means that a man is made right with God only on the basis of what Jesus did for him on the cross, and that he receives this assurance through faith alone. That was the theme of the glorious reformation of the church in the 16th century with Martin Luther and those who followed him. It was, a re- it was the recovery and restoring to the church of the gospel, of the good news, of the only way whereby a man may be made right with his God, only on the basis of what Christ did once on the cross, received by the gift of faith. Justification by faith alone. As we read in the scriptures, Romans 3 verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There the apostle is arguing in Romans 3 and following that one standing before God cannot be determined from their works, the works of the law. Though God has given us the law, the Ten Commandments, and we are to obey and do that law, our own life and our own works of the law cannot make us righteous with God. They will condemn and damn us, for in all of our works is sin. No, there must be another righteousness, a perfect work. And that perfect work, the Apostle describes in the book of Romans, is the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ 
according to Romans chapter 5, was the representative of all those who have received abundance of grace, all those whom God, out of mere grace, gave to him out of a fallen world, the elect. And in their place, Jesus Christ suffered and died for their sins and performed the perfect work of righteousness, not only enduring the wrath that their sins deserved, but rendering to God, paying to God, the life that we, the love and the life that we owed him, so that Jesus Christ obtained righteousness, a right standing with God. And therefore this right standing of God is conferred, is legally reckoned to our own. That's what the Bible means when it says the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. The gospel is this, that God, out of grace, grants to me the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that he does this without any merit on my own, but out of mere grace, so that now I appear before him in Jesus Christ as if I never had, nor had committed any sin and as if I had fully accomplished all obedience to his law. That's the gospel. And it was this truth of the gospel which both Martin Luther and John Calvin and the reformers who followed, this truth of the gospel, they said, was the article on which the church would stand or fall. Martin Luther wrote, let me quote it for you, The article of justification is the master and the prince the Lord, the ruler, and the judge over all kinds of doctrines. It preserves and governs all church doctrine and raises up our conscience before God. Without this article, the world is utter death and darkness. The Reformers understood that the church must hold fast to the biblical gospel that we are righteous before God only in the work of Jesus Christ, that this is the treasure of the church. John Calvin wrote this, Whenever the knowledge of this gospel, what we've been talking about, justification by faith alone, whenever the knowledge of it is taken away, the glory of Christ is extinguished, religion abolished, the church destroyed, and the hope of religion utterly thrown down. Now you might ask, why? Why? Is there nothing so important as the maintenance of the truth of the gospel by the church? And the answer is this. Because the gospel is the exclusive divine remedy for man in his sin and condemnation. I quoted Romans Romans 1 verse 16, and it stands as a beacon light reminding us of this basic truth. There the apostle says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It is the power of God. The gospel alone is the answer to man in his sin and damned worthiness. There is no other answer to man in his state in this world of sin. The gospel is not one among many. Christ is not one among many. He is the only way, and his gospel is the only power to salvation. And because that is so, there is nothing so important as the church to know and to maintain, to teach and to defend this gospel at all hazards and all costs. 
It was for this reason that the Apostle Paul would say in Galatians 1, the verses 6 through 8, when in his day there were those who were tampering with that gospel. They were tampering with the gospel in the book of Galatians in the following way, that they would say, yes, what Paul said about Jesus Christ as being so important and being the Savior, all of that is true, but he didn't tell you everything. You need to supplement. You need to add yet to what Christ did by observing this Old Testament ordinance, this Old Testament ritual of circumcision, and then when you are circumcised, when you perform that work, then you really know that you have been accepted with God. The apostle comes to them in his day of those who would tamper with the gospel and add to the gospel and say that Christ is not exclusively our righteousness, but that other things must be added. The apostle brings these words. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Anathema. Cast away. The Apostle Paul there comes with a holy invective. Let him be damned if he dare tamper with the gospel. And why? Why does he use so severe, so pronounced language? Because only the gospel, maintained in its undiluted truth, is the power of God unto salvation. We are called, as children of the Reformation, as Protestants, heirs of the Protestant Reformation, to maintain the gospel to maintain the truth of justification by faith alone and to teach exactly what that means. For this is the holy deposit from God. We read in 2 Timothy 1 verse 13, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love. We must maintain it, or rather Protestantism today must recover it. And Protestantism today must recover it because a gross blasphemy is again rearing its head. We have a confession in the Reformed churches called the Belgic Confession of Faith. In Article 22, it refers to a too gross blasphemy. That is a blasphemy which is almost unimaginable. And what is that too gross blasphemy? It's this that Christ is not sufficient, but that something more is to be regarded beside him. This, the church confessed, was a great blasphemy. Something more than him, upon which we are to base our salvation? This cannot be. Protestant churches today are engaged in a battle for the gospel. And Protestant churches, by the grace of God, must recover the biblical gospel. But you might say, is that true? Isn't all well in Protestant churches, at least on this issue? Isn't the truth of justification by faith alone synonymous with Protestantism? That is, surely every Protestant knows that we are saved by Christ alone, 
don't they? At least every informed Protestant ought to know that, right? And wouldn't you say to me, well, yes, we've listened to all that you've had to say so far, but what's the deal? What's all the fuss? What soul in their right mind would want to go back to the teaching that salvation is based upon works, so work righteousness? Don't people have that straight in Protestant churches? You say to me, well, we understand, of course, that there's many differences among Protestant and Reformed churches, especially differences today about liturgy, how they worship, some more progressive, some more traditional. So, yes, there's all kinds of difference. We even know that there's all kinds of difference concerning doctrine. Many churches don't believe in creation in six days, and some do. So there's all kinds of different teachings about salvation, about the way of salvation and creation and how the church should worship. But are not all Protestants one on this point, that we all believe the truth of justification by faith alone? Can you not go to any evangelical church and lustily sing with them, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking stand? Will you not hear here in those churches recited with great emotion the the words of Top Lady? Not the labors of my hand could fulfill thy law's demand. Could my tears forever flow? Could my zeal no respite know? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Is not Protestantism clear on this today? Well, the answer to that is no. No, Protestantism is not clear on this at all today. And if you take the approach that all is well in Zion on this issue, then you are burying your head in the sand. And you are crying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And if that's the approach we're going to take on this issue today, and we're not going to be concerned with a diligent, careful maintenance of this truth of the gospel, then in the last day we are going to have to answer to the Lord of the church, for treason, and the blood of our generation will be upon our hands because we did not defend and teach the gospel. Yes, yes, it is true. Gaining an impetus is the teaching in Protestant circles that a man is justified by faith and works. That a man standing with God is determined not just by what Christ has done for him, but by his works that he has performed. And the teaching that faith-produced works add to our righteousness, that Christ attained most of our righteousness, and now the works that we do add to that righteousness and enhance our place with God. There's even the teaching that the grace of justification can be lost. And there is even the teaching circulating among Protestant churches today that the covenant of fellowship with God, of having God as your friend, is a matter of keeping conditions. It's an agreement and not a bond of exclusive grace. You say to me, how did that happen? Perhaps you will remember what is called ECT, Evangelicals and Catholics Together, which began a number of years ago, in which men drew up a statement on the gospel talking also about justification, of how a man can be made right with God. 
And this statement was formulated in such a way that respected leaders of the evangelical church and of Lutheran churches could sign alongside the clergy of the Roman Catholic Church, referring to the Reformation's doctrine of justification as fine print. The Romish doctrine of justification is that we are made righteous by the works that we perform, that Christ has done some, but the church does the rest, and the believer, by his works, earns his righteousness with God. Evangelical churches, that is, Protestant churches, churches heirs of the Reformation, are to teach the truth of the, of the Word of God, the gospel that our works do not earn our place with God, but all of our works can only be the result of thankfulness. Christ's work alone is our righteousness. But there is the desire in the movement evangelicals and Catholics together to push the issue to the periphery and to find a statement in which both the evangelical and the Protestant may believe and the Roman Catholic may also believe that one may believe that they are accepted of a holy God without any personal merit of their own and another may believe in the same statement that they are accepted as a result of their own cooperation with God and with His grace. They can have both. And then there's the willingness of evangelicals and Protestants to concede that the truth of justification, and I quote, as a purely gracious declaration based on an imputed righteousness is not central to the understanding of the gospel. Today, more and more, in Protestant churches it is being taught that a man standing with God is based not simply upon what Christ has done, but upon what he does. Now understand that the issue is not that the Christian faith does not teach that we are to do. We are to obey God and live to God and do good works. That's not the point. But the point is this. Do the good works of the Christian and does the faith of the Christian earn his salvation? or add to his salvation, or contribute to his salvation? Or is our salvation solely based upon the work of Jesus Christ once done on the cross? That's the question. The answer of the Bible is clear. Christ alone. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John 14:6. Read the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, especially the verses 10 through 14. The clear declaration that one man, by one offering, once offered upon the cross, has perfected forever those who are of God. But now the thinking is this so often in the church. That the sinner can, by his own efforts, or by the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, do some works which also enhance his salvation. Specifically, the notion that the good works or the deeds of faith affect our standing with God, our legal standing with God. It is how God views me and how I appear before him is in some way influenced by my works, by my obedience and my faith. This is to deny the completeness of the work of Jesus Christ. It is to say that Jesus Christ is not sufficient 
for full salvation. There is the need today for the recovery of the biblical gospel. There is the need today for Protestant churches to stand clearly, unmistakably, in this gospel. There is the need for repentance and for a return to the gospel. Our standing with God, our legal standing before God, is based only upon the work of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Is that gospel preached in your church? Do you understand that gospel? Do you love that gospel? Is that gospel in your heart? Do you say, yes, I want to live a holy life. I want to live by faith. I want to do that which is pleasing in God. But do you understand that none of your works is the basis upon which God will accept you? For even in those works, you have committed much sin. It is not a perfect work. Do you base your only hope upon the perfect work of Jesus Christ, once offered upon the cross, as the only ground and the only foundation of all your salvation? Do you believe that personally? That's what it means to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That was the gospel that was restored to the church in the days of the Reformation. That is the treasure of the church. Hold on to it. Understand it. Believe it. Confess it. And live in its comfort. We'll return to this topic next week, the Lord willing. Until such time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in the comfort of the perfect work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, and we pray for its blessing upon our hearts and souls. In Jesus' name, Amen. The Gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.